And at the time, in Germany, the chancellor was Angela Merkel. And she was the head of the EU's most powerful nation, as far as industrialization was concerned. And she decided to invite all of the Muslims from all over. The invasion by invitation, which is what we have going on right here right now today. And uh, so... The problem is, is that Germany is now becoming a Muslim-controlled country. And you can see this kind of thing happening now in England. In London, you have an Islamic mayor, Sadiq Khan. You have 1.3 million Muslims in London. 1.3 million. Now, it's almost impossible to describe the stupidity of her decision to invite Islam into Europe. And, you know, the welcome mat came from the country that had sparked the biggest war in the history of the world by seeking to dominate the world, and they wanted to wipe out everybody that was not perfect, starting with their own imperfect people inside when they did their little eugenic purge, and then moving on to the Jewish people. And the people she invited... Into Europe came from an ideology that's open about acquiring world domination, the global caliphate, and is determined to wipe out the Jewish race. For how long? <laughs> and uh, this proved to be a problem. The incoming Muslims proved to be a problem. They were not like the westernized Turks who had immigrated to Germany when the Germans stopped having babies and didn't want to do the grunt work of keeping a welfare state going. These were primitive people from Afghanistan and Syria and Libya. They brought with them the things they do there, the crime, the rape, the filth, and the grifter mindset that is grounded in the belief that non-Muslims are obligated to support them. And today... Germany's borders are still open and Muslims continue to pour in. And uh, when you have politicians making bad policy decisions, everybody in that country pays a price. And a couple of days ago, a video emerged of Muslims in Germany boasting about the inevitable Sharia takeover, which will erase entirely Germany's constitutional system and European uh, values. Europeans are driven by socialism. They hate everything they once stood for at the apex of their civilization, which was a melange of the Bible and Greek philosophy that came together in the Enlightenment. Because the problem with Hitler was he rejected the Enlightenment and Christianity, and he decided to uh, embrace a fusion of paganism and socialism that led to Germany's downfall. The Muslims believe passionately in their values, their virtue, and their superiority. And uh, it's so bad right now, the head of the police union said, uh, he cautioned in an interview with Bill newspaper about potentially dramatic developments. He said, radical Islamists are raising questions about power on our streets, and we need to respond in our favor. Otherwise, Sharia law may replace our basic law. It is imperative that we reflect on the fundamental values of our society, emphasize the union leader, and added, otherwise the country could descend into radical individual interests and the rule of the strongest would prevail. 
This is something that should never happen because such an internal unrest would pose a threat to our nation. So, this should be a warning to us. Because the Democrats, if you look at the way the Democrats do things, they're very closely aligned to the Islamic template. Right now, in Europe, right now, the, uh, the, the values of Europe are being displaced by the Islamists. Here in the United States, Democrats have destroyed our, va- our values. Our, our sense of culture is, uh, is being destroyed as well. They have consistently pushed for unlimited immigration. And Joe, Joe Biden put that into effect when he got into the residency and you know, opened the border up. Now, I've read this, but by the end of 2024, 15% of our population will be illegal immigrants. And, you know, I I know that many of these people are probably good people. But many are also undoubtedly bound people who have no loyalty or to our values. And this should have stopped yesterday. And I fully understand now, fully understand now, what they meant when they said a republic, if you can keep it. I, I, I fully get that. I, and and the, thing, the thing of it is this. This is the part that bothers me the most about this. We gave it away. We gave it away. We didn't do what we should have done. We didn't take the we didn't look at the signs and uh, that's true. Uh, in in uh, we're getting to well, uh, they just had Oktoberfest, but Oktoberfest might vanish in in Germany. We might be the only ones having Oktoberfest because you know alcohol is frowned upon by the Islamic societies. So um it, it it's a little bit like looking at a uh, at a slide under a microscope of a virus overtaking a host a small parasite introduced allowed to run unhindered and it 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 multiplies and moves and consumes as it goes and that's what we've done we've invited that here In the end, uh, the only part of the salvation that may come about is that we actually have a means, if we had to, to expel these people. And, of course, that's going to cause a lot of bad feelings amongst, the, amongst, the, uh, amongst all of these touchy-feely people. But... It's going to be what we're left to because when they get out there and they make a bad policy, we all are affected by it. And it doesn't matter if they're making it in Germany or here. Same result. The biggest problem with here is that, you know, Germany fits in the United States quite easily. It's not nearly as big as we are. It takes a long time for that. When it happens here, 
it's going to be bad because we're talking about tens of millions of people when it happens here. When we get to 15%, yeah, we're talking tens of millions. So they are uh, they're pulling apart right now the manifesto of Audrey Hale. And there is one favorite message in that coming from her that sort of explains her hatred. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And let's go to the phones. Who we got on the phones there, Tim? Who's who's calling right now? Michael from Simpsonville. Let's go. Let's talk to Michael in Simpsonville. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. I appreciate what you do for 2A. Yes, um, sir. I get to the point. I've got a cousin named Stephanie that has been teaching school over in Germany for years. Fifteen years ago, she had to leave her public school teaching job and go to a Christian school. Why is that? Because there was an influx of Muslim students, and they were sexually uh, harassing her to the point where she she couldn't get any help uh, from the school system. And, you know, here she is married with kids, um, young woman, and she had to leave her job because nothing was done to help her and go to Christian school. She didn't sue, didn't do anything like that. That's not that... It's, it's not that way over there, you know, uh, with lawsuits and all this kind of thing. It's, it's not quite the same. But uh, the other thing I've heard from her through my parents is that the Muslim population over there in Germany, when they really started uh, coming in, in in big numbers, they complained about all the big Christian celebrations in oh, Germany, yeah. Yeah. you know, and all the, 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 the crucifixes and the, well, they were, they uh, were, they were protesting those in the eighties when I was stationed there and I would just sit back and I was very amused by that because in the eighties, there was 500,000 Americans in Germany. Yeah. So yeah. that, that didn't really go, that didn't really catch on and take, take, take fire too much, but it has, it has been a very slow roll. And then in 2015 with the Arab spring, it got really bad, but it's been an ongoing thing. They don't have the, I mean, I can't remember what city it was, but they had like just hordes of, of, uh, during their, uh, after 2015, they had hordes of Arab men going out there and women being yeah. accosted and assaulted and all this other stuff. And they had to, it was fire bombings there was all there all kinds of stuff it's it's very hard for them to control and you don't really want to mess with the pullet's eye i mean that's one of those things you just don't want to mess with but anyway yeah right. i that's that's it, not that's not a that's not a surprising I'm not story talking there about yes sir appreciate that i'm not talking about hating anybody but in my opinion islam is not 
a good fit in the West. It's not a good fit in Europe. It's not a good fit in the United States. No, it's just it not. not. No, but it is. It that's, is. That's, uh, it has been invited. Yeah. By by our leaders. So uh, now we have to get out there and try to retrofit that. Germany. Sixty one percent of the German uh, the German nationals want to stop Muslim immigration and start reversing the tide right now. They just did a poll on that one. Mm-hmm. So they recognize it too. I mean, they're they're it's 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 like a it's like a contagion. Anyway, yeah. thank you for the call, sir. You keep the shiny side up, and I, I appreciate you taking the time to call. The uh, manifesto that Audrey Hale left. There's one thing that stands out about this. I find it interesting, though, that Stephen Crowder was the one that had to break this on everything. Where were uh, where was where were all the uh, why was this not put out by the by the powers that be? But apparently one of the things spurring Audrey Hale was white privilege. She she had a thing about white privilege, which, you know, we hear that a lot, white privilege. We, we, have, we see that, uh, you know, put out there in very, like Harper's Bazaar, understanding white privilege, 20 everyday examples, a lesson on how white people benefit from and contribute to structural racism. CBS News. What is white privilege? What questions should white Americans be asking? Two academics weigh in. The Washington Post. What is white privilege? Duke Medical School. Explaining white privilege to a broke white person. Forbes. Anti-racism 101. Let's clarify white privilege once and for all. Yes, let's do that, shall we? Uh, there is no such thing. That's item number one. Item number two. Audrey Hale was obviously... I, I, I would like to see if she had some sort of BLM background or everything. Audrey Hale was a Caucasian, a female Caucasian. And uh, the biggest of the BLM protesters were female Caucasians. And uh, she, like a lot of them, she she got out there and she, not one of these people that gets out there uh, and I see at the range or anything, but she had, she had bought plenty of guns and she was happy about death day. She, she gushed about how she hoped she had a high death count. But it seems to be mainly about white privilege. She wanted desperately to destroy those who enjoy white privilege. All that's oozing from her little manifesto is race hatred anti-white race hatred, all of it eventually revolving around their favorite phrase, white privilege. That's what drove her to kill three nine-year-old white children. She wanted to erase their race, and uh, consequently herself. She she planned on dying that day. So when somebody gets out there and they're talking about white privilege, this is white privilege uh, in my estimation, is the same sort of derogatory term as any of the derogatory terms given to black people or Chinese people or Hispanic people. This is one that they can use, and it's used by white people too. And this is all part of the indoctrination these kids are coming up with, and it's bound to have an effect. Audrey Hale was evil. She had mental illness. She had body dysphoria. And she, uh, you know, she, you know, the, the evil that she manifested turned into something. And uh, 
it came up and looked like white privilege. Every generation has their own little evil pathway, though, doesn't it? When you look at that, the, the rest of it becomes sort of predictable. And uh, the establishment went way out of their way to hide this. They know what they're doing. They know the monster that they're feeding, the monster that they've created. And they're not interested in actually doing anything to stop an evil person. And what they wanted to what they wanted the story to be was that she was driven to this because of all of the anti-trans stuff going on around her because she wanted to be trans. But the fact that they tried to until they come out with a different statement, here's mine. My statement is simply this. Uh, when they tried to hide this instead of putting it out there, they too became complicit in this. Because this is just enough. No, <laughs> this is just another leftist shooting. She's another James Hodgkinson, indoctrinated by the rhetoric, began to feel it, believe it passionately, same way as Islamists do. The passion, and it moved her to do this. This very evil thing. And we, we did deal, you know, the cops there, they dealt with that really well and really decisively. Uh, and um, that part of it is the only good part of that that happened that day because they, they, they stopped a threat because she was there to just build up the body count as good as she could. And given how much time she had, she uh, the, the Covenant School did a remarkably good job of getting everybody out of the way. But she was driven by hatred for white people. So, there you have it. Now, I'm, I, I myself, sometimes I don't trust my own opinions on some things. So, coming up next to join me. I, I'm, one of my colleagues in the 2A community, Mark Walters from Armed American Radio, he's going to join me. I'm going to ask him about this and see what his thoughts are on this. And, uh. Because it's 2A Tuesday, right? Yes. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Many moons ago, I made a phone call to somebody, and, and, and the, 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 uh, the guy picked up the phone. And ever since then, he's been a colleague, a friend, uh, a, a mentor, especially in the space that I occupy in the syndicated space. Joining me now from Armed American Radio is Mark Walters. Good morning, sir. Good morning. You know, that, that spans a lot of time, that opening, doesn't it? It's yeah, I mean, while, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I started that in 2012, and I somehow got a hold of you about that same time. And, yeah. And off we've been since then. So, anyway. Well, you know, I, I was looking at some uh, 
podcast reviews and stuff yesterday, and it, you know, I, I've been doing this 15 years on the nation's airwaves, and it, it kind of irks me when people don't realize there's a difference between a live, nationally syndicated radio program and a podcast. <laughs> but I went back and I started looking at some of the comments, and they date back all the way to 2009 and 2010. It's really it's been a it's been a long ride, been a wild ride. So the pleasure's been all mine. Yes, sir. Uh, what did you think about the manifesto that was? What do you what do you make of the fact that they did, the manifesto had to be leaked, coming out of one of these rampage killings, which we all know that's something they used to a springboard to try to get more gun control. What do you think about that? Well, I'll tell you the first thought that went through my head. This was the honest first thought that went through my head was, how does a guy like Stephen Crowder get that leaked to him of all that, people? That was what I was wondering too. I don't know the answer to that question, but it seems extremely bizarre to me, and I. I used on my show yesterday the Dobbs decision. We all remember the famous Supreme Court leak, which we still don't have an answer on, by the way. Let me throw that out there just for, just for the sake of throwing it out there that we still don't have an answer. Right. I, I, I have a hard time imagining that a Supreme Court clerk would say, I'm going to leak this decision, break tons of laws, and I'm going to do it to Stephen Crowder. You know, it just seems so random. And in a case like this, you know, there's a lot of people that have access to this manifesto and we have news media outlets that are confirming the details of it, which lends me to believe that the news media may have had this. Who are they working with? You know, I was on uh, FM 97.1 this morning with Mark Cox in St. Louis. We had the same discussion. And to even ask these questions makes it sound like you're putting a tinfoil hat on. And maybe that's what they want. Maybe that's their ultimate goal is to make us look like conspiracy theorists when these are legitimate questions. Why didn't it get out? Who had it? Now, to answer the, the premise of your question, the reason it didn't get out, if you read what I read anyway, is this certainly doesn't fit the narrative. This was somebody, somebody going after, in her or his own words, white crackers, white privilege. It just doesn't fit their narrative, so they just shut it up. Well, I mean, it sort of seemed to me that they were packaging this as anti-trans, right, right and anti-gun. Right. And, uh, in fact... It had nothing to do with trans whatsoever. Do we know if Audrey Hill had anything to do with BLM and her history? Because that sort of sounds like the BLM talking points. It kind of does, but I can't, I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd be hesitant to say anything about that. I've not seen anything about that. I've heard rumors, but rumors, eh, really not worth discussing. Yep. What I do know is the agenda when, again, it's hard to prove, but we do know because we see it time after time after time. And when coincidences begin to line up, time after time after time. Well, I think it's a safe bet to say they're probably not coincidences. I think you would agree with that. But this is a whole uh, trans thing where they didn't want to, you know, this is a politically protected, progressive protected group, and they just didn't want it out. Well, now it's out, and watch what happens. It's going to die on the vine, just like Vegas. We're not going to know anything else about it. It's sad to say, but we've seen this, this, this movie before. Yeah. Well, it's sort of a, you know, as far as the protected classes, that's like the Pulse nightclub shooting where you had Islamic shooting up gay people, uh, two political, po politically uh, protected classes, one going after the other, which is inevitable, I guess, in most cases. Um, I guess they're going to pin everything on Lewiston, which is another failure of gun control as well. Well, I, I don't know if you saw Biden's speech. I, I kind of get a kick out of this because the irony was a lot lost on me. Right. But here's Joe Biden, potato head in chief. I don't even know if he knew he was in Lewiston, for that matter, at this stage of the game. It's so bad. That's a different radio show. But here with the irony of Joe Biden standing in front of with the with the bowling alley that this lunatic shot up 
in the background as a backdrop that had a no guns allowed sign on it yep. crying for more gun control that failed in the backdrop right behind him. I don't know that that irony is, is I don't, it's certainly not lost on me. I'm sure it's not lost on you. But I, I think a lot of Americans don't realize that when they saw him talk, if they bothered watching him at all, and they saw that bowling alley in the backdrop, that it was already a 100% gun-controlled place, and he's screaming for more gun control, that failed. Why? Because the criminal doesn't care, couldn't care less about a no-gun sign. Even if you make it bigger, it's not going to make any difference to a psychopath that wants to murder people, just like this trans shooter. I hope my, I hope my victims aren't ready. I hope I have a high body count. I mean, this is yep. sick stuff. Sick stuff. Well, I mean, the, the thing about the, the, the gun control sign is that the gun control sign is never backed up. If they want to have a gun, no guns allowed sign, then when we go in there, we should find like a fire team at the ready in case somebody tries to breach and come in there. They don't ever do that. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely correct. I, uh, yesterday on my program, I was uh, talking about a guy running for, he wrote a guest column. And I forgive me for not remembering where it was, but when I find it, I'll send it to you. It's definitely something you're going to want to talk about here on your show. But he's a New York Assembly. He's running for the New York Assembly now saying, hey, look, the Second Amendment doesn't protect sales of illegal guns. So in the state of New York, what we need to do is make gun sales illegal. <laughs> and when we do that, we can end all gun sales. I mean, this was his logic. Yeah. But when you talk about the gun control crowd, that comes to mind. Because just when you think they can't lower the bar, what do they do? They lower the bar. They dig deeper. But this is to the extent, listeners, that they will go to to deprive you of your right to bear arms. Now, this guy was serious, and it was a large publication. Forgive me for not remembering the name. I'm pulling a Joe Biden right now. Oh, well. But uh, I will send you the link, and I think it's something you'll want to address with your listeners. You still got you still got more details out of it than Joe would. Joe, Joe, all Joe's <laughs> looking for is the next sugar cone with some soft serve. Give me the clicker. He's looking for the uh, Matlock Marathon. He's he's off to. <laughs> and where's my walker? Get me. Where's get my, my walker? walker? Don't look. It's so bad. I'm afraid of those steps. Those things. Yeah. It is so bad for Joe Biden that Democrats and former Democrat operatives, along the lines of Carville and Axelrod, are saying, "Look, you got to get out now." The Democrat <laughs> Party is rupturing right now. What we're seeing with the the pro-Palestinian, which is essentially pro-terrorist, pro-Hamas protesters, if you want to call them that around the nation. These are all Democrats. These are all Democrat-run cities. None of this is aging well for the Democrat Party. Jews are buying guns in record numbers. I personally believe you're going to see a massive, massive, massive loss for the Democrat Party come 2024, because you're seeing now record black Americans supporting Donald Trump, Hispanic Americans supporting Donald Trump. He's beating Joe Biden in five of six swing states. One of those states is Wisconsin and Gosh, if you're listening in Wisconsin, what's wrong with you? You really want more of this? Get in the mix here. You know, well. But I, I think you're going to see a mass exodus from the Democrat Party because of what's happening. And I, there's evidence of that now where you have uh, Harvard donors and, and Ivy League school donors pulling millions and millions and millions of dollars in donations away. I think you're going to see reduction yeah. in admissions to those schools. This is not aging well for the Democrat Party. And hopefully, if I'm right, we're watching the death of this progressive nonsense, finally, this woke nonsense in America. And it took a terrible tragedy in Israel, really, to bring that to light. I hope I'm right about that, by the way. Well, I think you will be. But listen, I'm, I'm running out of time. I really appreciate you taking some time out from your schedule to join me today. I want to do it again. First chance we get. Thank you very much. Bill, reach out to me. I'm open anytime. You know that. Have a great show. Mark Walters, Armed American Radio. Um, there's this idea 
that there can be a limited warfare scenario in the Middle East. Is that possible? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. The Middle East is a is a theater in a combat sense. And if we get engaged in that theater, we gotta go all the way. The GS Plumbing Talk line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Here's the thing about this. During World War Two we demonstrated the willpower to fight to the bitter end, right? We made use of all of the resources at our disposal, including developing and then deploying two atomic bombs against Japan. And everybody in the U.S. was involved in this to some extent to another, from the frontline GI to the Boy Scouts collecting scrap metal. Women left their traditional role and entered the working world in uh, factories and other professions. When the war was over, our country was relatively untouched. We were still fully operational. We had factories and supply lines, and we were ready to supply the rest of the world with what it needed to rebuild, and we became more prosperous than ever. Then, uh, with the with the with the uh, with the rise of the Soviets, we became we took on the role of the global anti-communist. But we learned that short of a full-scale engagement, wars are actually quite difficult to win. And this is especially true when the enemy is highly motivated by past injustices, whether they're perceived or real, and a desire for self-determination. We learned this in the Korean War. We had the ability to fight the communist North Koreans and even the Chinese when they expected, unexpectedly entered the fight, but we did not have to will to fight another World War II type war against mainland China. So that ended in a draw. Then came Vietnam. We fought alongside South Vietnamese allies, but over time and due to internal corruption and political ambiguity in South Vietnam, we took on the responsibility for most of the fighting. We limited our attacks to the North and uh, we were very successful against the enemy, but the South most lost most of their will to fight, and the American people decided enough was enough. And there, so we developed this concept of low-intensity conflict, unconventional warfare, and the hearts and minds concepts gleaned from Vietnam. And this was an implication that we might not need to fight a full-scale war to win. We became aware that in any future engagement supporting another country, we could not allow ourselves to become the main combatant again. The host nation's forces, which is what we, you know, that's what we told we were told we had in Afghanistan. We were told that if we pulled out of Afghanistan, Afghanistan, uh, the Afghan army would hold back the Taliban. That lasted about 15 minutes. As soon as we left all over, you could find all these Afghan uniforms if they even had uniforms.
During the Gulf War, we used overwhelming force to defeat the minimally motivated and technologically outclassed military of Saddam Hussein. And his, his military really did not care about Iraq's occupation of Kuwait. They were not prepared to die for him. And uh, tremendous numbers of Iraqi troops did die, though, in that fight. President George H.W. Bush decided not to crush Saddam and instead implemented a policy of containment and economic sanctions. And Saddam didn't care about the losses to his people. Then we did the second invasion, which, you know, we could debate the justification for that. But here, here's what it boils down to. In the Middle East, if we're going to go in there, we're going to have to say to ourselves, we're going to have to fight this with full engagement. We're going to have to go all the way. We cannot apply limited warfare in the Middle East. But tamping it down does nothing. Hamas was tamped down. So we can't always fight a limited war, especially if our enemy is not fighting that way. That's the conclusion Israel has come to. All right. We're going to be joined by investigative reporter from the Second Amendment Foundation, Lee Williams. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas. <laughs> 